Well, good morning and welcome once again. We're uh, starting into a, a new segment. We finished up last week our pretty lengthy Who Are You Listening To series. And uh, now we're, we're moving on. We're starting to that umbrella of our self-improvement, our church self-improvement. And we're going to expand on more of that today. And we're going to look at some of the ways that the Word communicates with us many times that the Jesus and, and the other writers, they took a way of looking at things through the way we look at them in the, in the normal parts of life. And uh, I try to do that as well, like trying to really put things in perspective. We can put it into things that we can relate to, and we're going to try a little bit of that today. And looking at us as a, a church body and looking at us as groups, and what we should be looking for and what we should we be doing. And the title of today's message is The Church of Belly Buttons. And that's an interesting title. And I hope that's enough to drag you in and make you want to stay around and listen to see how this is all going to turn out. First, let's start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, Father. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to, to speak your word today, Father. We just ask you to open our hearts and minds to receive it and just take myself out of the way, Father, and let your true message shine through. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. So uh, let's get right down into our, our Bible text for today in 1 Corinthians 12 and 12. For as the body of one has many members, and all the members of that has one body, being many, are one body also in Christ. For by one Spirit we are baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, we have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, therefore not of the body. And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, and I am not of the body, and therefore not of the body. If the whole body were an eye, and the whole were hearing, it would whole were hearing, where were thou smelling? But thou hast God has set members, each and every one of them, as a body, and it has pleased him. And if we were all one member, we were the body, but how many members, but only one body? And then the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, for thee is not again the head, to the feet I have no need of you. Nay, much more than those members of the body, which seem to be more freeable, are not necessarily, and those members of the body which we think would be less honorable upon these we bestow abundant honor, and uncomely of hearts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely of hearts have no need, but God has tempered the body together to give them more abundant honor than that part which lack. And there should be no stimulus in the body that your members should not have the same care of one to another. And whether one member will suffer, for all members suffer with it, or with one member be honored, all members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and the members particular. For God has sent some to the church, first apostles, secondary prophets, third teachers, and after that miracles, the gift of the healing, the helps, the government, the diversities of tongues. All are apostles, all are prophets, all are teachers. 
All are workers of miracles. So we see that our, our author here is comparing the church body to the human body. We've talked about this some in the past, and as many things we tend to revisit because we need to be able to truly understand the concepts that God is giving us here to learn. And it talks about the diversity. Many times we, and this fits into what we've been talking about, how we tend to want to have like people join with us. We tend to want to shed away from diversity. And the fact is that when we have diversity, it makes us whole. It makes us complete because we have people that can accomplish different things. And I want to stop right there for a moment. We'll come back to it. And I want to kind of look at a, a different example. And because, uh, you know, we're talking about recruitment, talk about church growing. And uh, here's my analogy for today. Now, when you're looking for housing, there's a couple different options you have, and it does have nothing to do with style or location. It's more of a, a condition, and it's more of what you are willing to do once you achieve the housing that you receive. What I'm getting at is, if you're going to, to look out, there's different levels that you can go and accomplish. First of all, we have the turnkey, move-in ready, fully furnished. Furnished. So all you have to do is, is you show up, you bring your clothes with you, and it's literally turnkey. There's nothing else to do. Everything's done. All the furniture's there. All you have to do is start living. And then we have the new build. We start with nothing. And we get some blue pins drawn up, and we have a construction crew come out, and they build a house from scratch. We pour a foundation, they put up walls, they put a roof on it, and then every single thing has to be done along the way. And once it's built, it has to be finished out, it has to be furnished, it has to be designed. It's the whole entire process. And then we have the, the fixer-upper. Well, it's an existing house, and it needs some work. There's things to be done. It needs some improvement. It needs some maintenance. It needs some repair. And then we have different levels along the way. Most commonly between the fixer-upper and the turnkey, we have, you know, things that need a little bit of work, maybe a coat of paint, maybe a small repair, you may have to move furniture in. You may have to do a little bit of updating, that sort of thing. But we have, that's your, your four basic categories of, of what, you, what you would do. And when you go out, you would look at what your, what your budget is, what your skill level is, what you're trying to accomplish. And we have the same kind of situations when it comes to our churches. We have great big ones, 
that have everything up and running. They have all the different programs. They have everything fully staffed. They have the right kind of finances, the right kind of amenities, and you can just simply show up and just begin to do. We have the new, new builds. That we have a group that, that's broke off or they've started up and they're ready to start something new. They're ready to build, they're ready to make it grow, and they're really ready to make a go of it, starting completely from scratch. And then there's the majority of the rest of them that kind of falls into those other two categories. Where the, the fixer-upper or the slightly less fixer-upper, we'll say. And that's where we find ourselves a lot of times. And the reason that is, is because we have so many churches. Every time that there is a, a problem or a dispute, we find that we have a, a break-off and we go and build and, and replace and go somewhere else and we want to start something new and we do that somewhere else and we continue so on and so forth and we have all these places now but we don't have enough bodies to fill them up we have been constantly talking about that over the last few generations and especially in the last few years that there has been a steady steady decline of people that's even interested in church. Believers are going to the wayside. There's not a strong desire for God anymore. There's not a strong faith in this world. And as a result of that, churches are deteriorating. They're falling apart. There's things to be done. And we never really get to see them to their full potential and that has to do with not the building not the location but with the body that resides inside them I've been doing this for a few years now and have gotten to see a lot of the different situations why people come why people go and what they are are looking for now, uh, let's look at the, the, the new bills, the, the brand new ones. These people are very passionate about it because they're bringing new life into the world. They got a new project. It's something that they can form and shape into their own. And we have a desire as humans to want to do that. We want to put our mark on the world. We want to be able to put our stamp on something, to be able to show, look at what I did. Look at what I did. Look what I've accomplished. And that's great if we're doing that in the name of God, if we're doing it for Him, if He is the reason for it. It's for His glory and not our glory. I've heard many stories of how 
new churches came and they've brought new life into the area. How people have came and flocked and they've grown and souls have been saved and turned over to Jesus and lives have been changed forever and they have flourished. And that is the ultimate goal. No matter what we start with or what we're, we're going to. I drive past this place many times and there's a field and there's a sign that's been hanging out front that says the future home of such and such church. But it's just a sign. And that sign has been there for, for many, many years. And it's starting to become tattered and wore. And I have to wonder, well, what happened? You know, why did that dream fall apart? What stopped this from progressing? Because I, when I see a sign like that, I can just see the, the enthusiasm that went into it. They took hard-earned money from the budget to go put this sign up so that everyone driving by can see that this is what we're going to do. Right here is going to be a beacon of light in the world. And it's sad when it doesn't come to pass. Here at Anchor, we fall into that fixer-upper category. The lower end of it. We're in a, a small community with a small congregation. And there's a lot to be done. And we have people that, that they come in and they like what they hear. They feel God here. But... They don't seem to want to stay. And you try to encourage involvement and you try you to, to get them to be a part, to become that, that body. But the problem is, is that they're looking for that turn key situation. They want to be part of something but they don't want to put in the time and effort to build that something or they come in and they have an idea about the way things should be and they want to shift it in that direction So we go back to our 1 Corinthians example today as the, as the church being a body. What does that look like? Of course, we need, we need the head. We need the mouth, the voice. But we need all of it as well. The hands and feet. The ones that are going and doing. You know, our body is a, an interesting, interesting thing. And how that so many pieces of it are, are so crucial. You know, our heart, it has to stay beating. 
no matter if we're sleeping, no matter if we're awake, it's constantly going. In fact, that we can only withstand only so many minutes without some medical intervention or there is irresputable damage and possible death. That's how important our heart is. It's able to speed up when we need put more demand on our bodies. Pumps more blood, oxygenates it, carries it through. It slows down when we're at rest. And it just keeps going and going and going. Our lungs are important too, but you know, we can hold our breath for a little bit. We can stop them on demand temporarily. And there's, there's two of them. So if one happens to have a problem, we can carry on with the other one. And then we have all the other things that serves purpose. We have our, our livers and our kidneys that filter the systems. And we have our, our stomachs that, that takes care of our dietary needs and give us our nutrients. We have our, our hands and feet for mobility and to be able to do things. Our ears allow us to hear, our eyes allow us to see, we can smell, we can taste, we can talk. And of course, we can have one of these things impaired or disabled, and we can still go on and still leave a full life. But it takes adjustment, and it takes working around because these things are, are so important to us. So what does that have to do with belly buttons? Well, as I was considering the human body in this example for today, what's one thing that really makes no difference whether we have or not? And I think the belly button's pretty useless. It served its purpose one time, but outside the womb, we might can stick a little gem in it and decorate it, but it's just along for the ride. It gets to, to come along with the rest of the body. It gets to, to go and do and, and do its thing, but it doesn't have any real purpose. It's just part of the package. It's like when you, you buy a, a package, a, a group of something, and you want two or three things out of it. There's always that one thing that you really don't care if you have or not. But it's there so it can jack up the price and there to look like you're getting more. That's what our belly buttons are. So my question is today, when we talk about the, the body of the church, how many of us are belly buttons? And we may strive to be something else. But we're maybe not accomplishing those goals. And everything that we do is important. God has purpose with everything. 
Every ability that he gives us, everything that we can do, it all has purpose and it all has importance. We live in the world and the world has this grading system that the world created that seems to put more importance on certain things than the other. We have all this push today for gender equality, or whatever you want to call it now. God made us different for purpose. We have different social classes, economic classes. But you know, those are not God-created things. That is man-created things. We look at certain professions being more valuable than others. But the fact is, they are all needed. Not many of us, when we're children, expire to do certain things. Nobody goes to career day at school and says, I want to work at McDonald's. Nobody says, I want to be the trash man. Nobody says that I want to be the school janitor. But the thing is that all of these things are important. You know, we want to our kids to grow up to be doctors and lawyers. But I have a question for you, and I want you really to consider it. How do you really feel about these people? You know, the, a dentist is a grand profession, pretty good income, but yet, who likes going to the dentist? We were just talking this morning about getting people to their doctor's appointments when they share a common thing, whether they're really young or really old, is that they don't want to go. They don't want to go. Because when we're young, we fear the doctor because they're going to make us do uncomfortable things. They're going to stick that wooden stick in our mouth. They're possibly going to give us a shot and nobody likes that. And then when we get old, we got to go to the doctor and they're going to make us do things that we don't want to do as well. And they're going to give us news that we don't want to hear. They're going to tell us to lose weight and they're going to tell us we need to drink more water and they're going to tell us we need to take this medication or tell us we need to exercise more. And nobody wants to hear all that. And then we get the bill. And nobody likes that as well. We see attorneys as grand professions till we get the bill. Politicians, do I even need to go there? But yet we rally behind them. 
And there's been very little evidence of a positive God-fearing politician. Very little. Not none, but very little. What is that? Garbage man doesn't come and collect your trash on the given day and it starts to build up. That's a problem. But yet he's not seen as equal. And that's our problem with our churches. First of all, we got a whole bunch of belly buttons that want to just have the amenities. I've heard that I go to such and such. That's where the opportunities are. That's where I can talk to people. That's where this important person goes. That's where that important person goes. Church is not about building your social life. Church is not about building your economic future. Church is about serving God. Why go to search and such? Because they have a great program for the children. They take them all these places. They do all this different stuff. Church is not about entertainment. Church is about our relationship with God. Church is about connecting Learning, growing, building our faith. Well, they have such great amenities. They got the big screens, they got the sound system, and no, their their band is so grand. Again, entertainment. Jesus never had He never even had a building. He did his greatest teaching standing on a boat, standing on the side of the shore. Amongst the people. And we put so much emphasis on the brick and mortar that we surround ourselves with. When it should be about the word. We can accomplish the same thing in a multi-million dollar building as we can standing out in the middle of a cow pasture. If our hearts are in the right place. So we want people that's like us. So if we're a, a group of belly buttons, we want to go out and recruit a bunch more belly buttons. But more importantly, we want to be a bunch of, of heads. So we want people that's like us, but we don't want people that's going to question us. We want people to follow us. And what does it look like when we have a bunch of heads talking and telling, follow me, follow me, and everybody's going off in different directions, and everybody is trying to be the leader? So we have... A group that's doing nothing or a group that's trying to do all of the 
instruction, but none of that action. What good does it do if we have 20 people that can sing really well, but nobody can give a testimony? What does it do if we have people that can cook a, a good meal, but yet we can't teach? It takes diversity. And it just goes to show the condition of the world today is all about division. We want to throw people into categories. We have to find a peg hole that each one of these little pegs will fit into. And we have to push it in. And we have to put a label on it. You know, we've had a, a political party system since the beginning of democracy. And we have this name and that name, and we have independence. You know, what is the purpose of all that? Why do we have to have all these groups? And now as lifestyle changes are coming to play, we keep throwing out acronyms and just keep getting longer and longer trying to include everyone and throw everyone in at the same time into this box. We only have one group that we are to be in. That is God's group, God's family. We see someone come in and they, they look a little different. Or they might act a little different. We don't know who that person is. We don't know what they can do and what they have to offer. We don't know what part of the body they are. And when we're in this in-between group, we need to be able to, to fill all those positions. We need to be able to have that complete body. We need the knees. We need the elbows. We need the hands, the feet. We need the, the heart. We need the lungs. Now, apparently, appendixes are optional because they serve no real purpose either. It's your anatomy lesson for the day. We can take them right out. So don't be an appendix either. I think we have a lot of appendixes sometimes because they oftentimes they sit there and they're nice and quiet and calm. And then something comes along to irritate them. And then they burst. Does that describe any of you all today? Are you an appendix? Are you getting tired of the... The analogies. I have some special need children. 
autistic. And they, they act differently. And if you have been around it and you've seen it, you know what it is. But many times people don't. And when they, they see the behaviors, they, they want to they label it. They want to put it in a box and they call it weird. They call it poor discipline. They call it bad parenting. And it's because they're snapping judgment to something they don't know nothing about. We don't know about all of the the parts of the body. I know about appendages because my daughter had to have one taken out because it became inflamed and was infected. But oftentimes many people don't. That's why we have doctors and we have specialists and we have to seek people that know about these things. And for some reason, we've all deemed ourselves experts on life. No matter who the person we want to judge or what the situation is or where we're at, we always seem to think that we know best, that our opinion is the only opinion that matters. When the fact is that we really don't know anything. That we do not have all of the answers. We are not experts on anything. Besides this, I also do a trade. I've been doing that for a number of years. And the one thing that changes is, no matter how many times I've did something, no matter how many times I've completed a certain project, each time that I do it, there's improvement. We never truly master anything. We like to call ourselves that. There's even a master's degree and we can get a, another degree and, we, and that shows that we have mastery of a, of a subject, but yet we're always still learning if we allow ourselves to. So many times we just, like, we just want to put a, a line in the dirt and say, okay, that's it. I'm done. I've, I've got everything I need to know. And we want to close our minds off. How many of us have read the Word of God cover to cover? And many of us have just that one time. Well, I've read the Bible. But have you studied the Bible? Do you study the Bible? Because it is constantly evolving with us. Or we're, better choice of words, is we are evolving to it. It always stays the same. But our understanding of it, our knowledge of it, that's what continues to evolve and to grow. It is alive. It takes the things that we're not able to understand yet and it kind of holds them back. 
And then as the pieces come together, it'll open it up like a floodgate and it'll just pour the knowledge into us. And as we take that knowledge and we go out into the world and we use it, we get better and better at it. You know, they call the Word of God the sword of the Lord. Now, a sword is a, is a weapon. And the best way to be good, proficient with a weapon is to use it, is to practice with it. If you have a, a trained marksman and you have someone that's never shot a gun before, the trained marksman is going to outshoot the other person every single time. If you have a trained swordsman versus a amateur, the trained person is going to win every single time. We are constantly under attack. We have the armor of God that we can put on for a shield. Have anybody ever been bullied? Eventually, with a bully, you get tired of it and you, and you stand up to them because we don't like to get smacked around. We find a way to overcome. But yet when it comes to the world and what the world does to us, we just lay down and take it. We continue to fall, and instead of getting back up, we just lay there and get kicked. And we have the defenses. Wouldn't it be better when Satan attacks that we can draw our sword and give him a nice poke? Wouldn't it be nice when the attack of the world comes, we can throw up our shield? That our armor can take the blunt instead of our souls? You know, just because we can't see the damage that Satan does to us, that the world does to us, that sin does to us, doesn't mean it's not there. And for every cut that we don't deflect, for every attack that we don't block, there's damage done to us. And it's got to heal. You know, we talk about how we have to undo everything that the world's done to us. The word is physical therapy for our souls. For our spiritual needs. It's physical therapy. Because we got damage. We've been kicked in the knees. Now they don't bend quite like they used to. They hurt. So we have to have this physical therapy to be able to, to heal. That's what the word is. We have two choices in life. And no matter what the attack is, whether it's from the, the world whether it's a, a physical ailment, where it's a financial issue, whether it's some kind of other attack, whether it's something we've done, whether we have regret, whether we have issues that we're working on inside, 
We can either let it defeat us or we can recover from it. So many times in life it seems like there, there is no hope. It seems like we are on the, the end of our journey. You know, old age, it creeps up on us, and then we start having our physical ailments, and then it seems like everything just starts crashing down around us. And they uh, say now that the younger generation, the teenagers coming up, are like the saddest it's ever been. And there's a reason for all of that, and that's from a lack of God. There's also a correlation that these group of teenagers are the least interested in God. That they are the highest number of non-believers. Coincidence? I think not. It's a clue. It's a red flag. So we, we come in and we are trying to adapt a church to fit our needs or trying to make it something that's not or we're trying to build something that's not ready for what we want it to be. We're not going to accomplish anything. What we need to do is put all of our selfish wants aside. Just push them away. Just temporarily push them away. And see what God has for us. What does God want for us? And see, we're going to be in the sea that God wants us to have the desires of our hearts. God wants us to be happy and healthy and whole. God wants us to be in tip-top shape so we can be part of his body. You know, I was going to say today that, you know, God just wants us to be his helpers, do things for him. But then I realized that that's only part of it. See, we turn the world over to Satan. So now... God has to be let in. And who's going to let him in? It is us. So not only are we doing it for God, we're also doing it because it's our duty, because as sinners, we allowed the world to fall. And because Jesus gave us salvation, Jesus paid the ultimate price for us, Jesus bought our souls back. We don't owe it to him. He doesn't request that. There's no IOU. There's no debt to be paid. It's paid in full. But because of that, we should want to serve God. We can't pay it back. But we should 
want to do something. And we should want to share this gift with others. And this want to please God and to praise Him should overcome every other selfish need that we have. And if not, we should evaluate why that is, why that is not happening. And furthermore, if we do that, if we truly submit to God, truly turn ourselves over to Him and let Him be our leader, let Him be the head and us be the body, how many other things do you think are going to fall into place? The world has been trying it the world's way all this time. It started in the garden when he said, well, things are perfect, so let's try something different. And then we've been doing it wrong ever since. Jesus came. He showed us the way. He showed us how things needed to be. And we say, nope, still want to do it our way. We think we know better. And here in 2022, we think that we know better still, and we are screwing it all up. It's time for a change. And my timer says that's my time.